This episode is sponsored by Macmillan Audio. One of my favorite things about audiobooks is that they can really provide a unique way of experiencing the world of the story. This is particularly true if the book centers around music, and instead of just reading about it on the page, you can also listen in. If you loved that kind of experience for Daisy Jones and the Six, and you're an almost famous fan, your next audiobook should be The Last Days of the Midnight Ramblers, written by Sarah Tomlinson, narrated by Helen Laser. It's a gripping debut about the complicated legacy of a legendary rock band and the ghostwriter telling their story with original music and performances. Start listening to The Last Days of the Midnight Ramblers by Sarah Tomlinson now, wherever audiobooks are sold. Hello and welcome to A Bookish Home. I'm your host, librarian and writer, Laura Zaro-Kapinski, and today Kathleen Willett is here to discuss Anything for a Friend, a propulsive new suspense novel about two college friends who reconnect with dangerous results, and it's perfect for fans of Big Little Lies and Little Fires Everywhere. Kathleen is the author of Mother of All Secrets, an English teacher who grew up in New Jersey and London. She lives in New York City with her husband, two daughters, and a cat named Mr. Sparkles. Kathleen, thank you so much for being here, and congratulations on anything for a friend. Oh, thank you so much for having me, and thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk. Yes, and um, I'm hoping that life does not mirror art with um, very dangerous results because we are also reconnecting after knowing one another in college. <laughs> oh my gosh, can you imagine this would actually be a great premise for a thriller? Yeah. They reconnect for a podcast interview and everything exactly. goes terribly wrong. <laughs> well, but, I actually uh, do love books that use like a podcast trope. Um yeah, uh, it was there was like an Ashley Winstead book that had a podcaster character and it was like really well done. Yeah, it's fun. Well, as we were saying before we started, when I heard about anything for a friend, I was so excited to see it was you and then just had the best reading experience with it. I flew through and just couldn't, you know, wait to see what was going to happen with these characters. And there are so many twists that I didn't see coming. And it was just a great read. So I'm excited to get to dive into it more. So for listeners who haven't gotten to take a peek at it yet, can you tell us more about the premise for this new book? Yeah, of course. So um, it is about two women who were best friends in college, but um, who have since, you know, become estranged and now they're in their early 40s. And then they're kind of reunited under tragic and somewhat suspicious circumstances. Um, one of their husbands passes away and she um, just gets in touch with um, her friend Carrie and says, you know, I'm in the neighborhood, um, which is totally random. But Carrie impulsively invites her over and then ends up when she finds out what's happened, she ends up inviting her to stay for, um, she thinks a few days, but then quickly realizes that maybe Maya hasn't interpreted the invitation the same way because her timeline seems very undefined. It's like my um, worst nightmare when oh, I was reading that. Same. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm not, not a big like fan of hosting for a long period of time, <laughs> but, um, she's also with her teenage daughter, um, who Carrie met when she was much younger, but, um, the girl seems like just very different than how Carrie remembers. Um, so yeah, suspicious things sort of start happening in, in the house. Carrie is a writer and her manuscript gets deleted. Her herb garden, her herb garden gets destroyed. Um, meanwhile, she has, she has sort of has like a, um, a, a secret that she's trying to keep from her husband. She's, recently had an affair that she deeply regrets and she's sort of worried that that might bubble to the surface um so and then there are flashbacks from their college days that 
um, slowly reveal, well, first, just sort of the the nature of their friendship, what brought them together in the first place, and then ultimately what caused the rift. Um, and then, yeah, as you said, I, I hope that there's a, a big twist in the end about like why Maya is really there and um, what comes to pass. <laughs> there are so many twists and it's sort of my favorite kind of suspense book where I just keep guessing wrong and wrong and wrong and nothing is what I think it is. And everyone that I'm suspecting of things is not the right person. And um, it kept me guessing the whole time, which was a lot of fun. And, you know, it got me wondering, so there's so many different layers to it, really. Is there a first sort of thread that it started with for you, a scene, a character? How did this book get going for you? I think it's actually sort of exactly what you said as I was describing it when you were like, that's my worst nightmare. The original <laughs> thread was this, this idea of like a house guest from hell, like someone who appears not to be going anywhere and, um, you know, seems to like be kind of staying for an indeterminate amount of time. Um, so yeah, that was sort of the first thread. And then also, I guess I, I was just really interested in, in the, um, notion of like these ride or die friendships that are formed in college where um, so much intimacy is established so quickly because your friends have kind of taken the place of your family. You're sleeping six feet away from, um, you know, other people and brushing your teeth next to them. And um, it just sort of very quickly becomes like, I'll stand by you through anything. And in Carrie and Maya's case, the anything that they're standing by each other for is just sort of a very dark event um, that they're, they're willing to do this like kind of terrible thing in the name of loyalty for each other. Um, so yeah, I feel, I feel like those two areas of interest kind of com combined to form the thread of the novel. It's interesting because there's so many extremes in the book, but it's also, I, I could see that really, it drew me in as a reader. So I could see it really interesting you as a writer, that whole idea of, you know, maybe we think we, we wouldn't do anything quite as extreme for friends, but it is such a dilemma of where do you draw the line in helping someone or being there for them. And it just, it does lead to some really interesting choices for, for the characters. And, you know, given that your debut, A Mother of All Secrets, got great attention and was even featured on the Today Show, which is, I'm sure, very exciting. What was it like tackling this second book? And what was the writing process like? Was it a winding road or smooth? Did you struggle with, you know, your own writer's block or anything? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, I mean, so the first the first book that I wrote, I feel like the idea was so um, prevalent in my head and it was almost like I, yeah, like it, it was just, I was being so compelled to write this idea down. Um, and I had never, I hadn't written creatively really like since college and had no reason to believe that I could write a book or had any business doing so. But finally I was like, I'm just going to try. I can really see this whole plot and I'll just see if I can actually like get it down on a Word doc. Whereas with the second book, of course, it was sort of like, and now try to write a second book. So it, I guess it was a little bit less organic and I didn't have the idea as clearly formed in my head when I started. So I, like there were a few threads that I followed and I wrote the first half and then I rewrote the first half. So it was definitely a little bit more stop and start and kind of like figuring it out more as I went, as opposed to the first time when I really could, could kind of see an outline in my mind. Um, 
But I honestly, like, while both prophecies felt very different, there were things I enjoyed about each. I I kind of liked how the, the second time, like, it it came a little bit more slowly, but once the light bulb moments, um, as they occurred, it, it was just sort of fun to be like, oh, that's an interesting idea. I hadn't thought about writing it that way, but, you know, let's give it a try. Um, I also... Um, with the second one, I sent the first half to my sister, who's an avid thriller reader. And as, as you were saying in the beginning, like about how it's so fun when you're wrong about the twists, I feel like yeah. she's never wrong. She never gets to experience <laughs> that because she can guess, guess every twist correctly. But um, so I sent her the first half and I was like, where do you think this is going? Where would you want it to go? Where would you not want it to go? Um, and she gave me some some ideas for kind of like ramping up the tension in the first half and also just you know, here's where it seems like it's going. So if it's not going there, that's probably a good thing. And um, yeah, so she gave me some really, really helpful advice. I did also write a book in between these two. Oh, really? It was, but it wasn't very good. I'm. It's, it's a pra- it was a practice book. I'm going to file it <laughs> under good practice. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to, that was kind of leading me to ask too, when you're talking about your sister suggesting different things for keeping up the tension, I felt like the level of suspense was so high throughout the book. And I wondered, was there anything that you found maybe helped you from book one to book two in terms of doing that or anything in your process that you would share with maybe aspiring thriller writers? Yeah, definitely. Um, So I, I feel like I learned a lot in the first book um, from the editor that I worked with, going through that editing process the first time was just so illuminating because, um, I mean, you know, you think it's going to be scary that someone's going to like point out things that you're like, I don't like that idea or I don't want to change that. But to me, it really felt the opposite. It was like everything that the developmental editor pointed out. I was like, oh my gosh, that's such a good idea. I wish I had just thought of it myself and I totally see why that's better. And I like think I can make this change. So um, it was like a, a very inspiring and encouraging process. But um, one thing was just ending every single chapter on a really, really strong, suspicious note. Um, Because I feel like that really keeps readers flipping pages. And, you know, even if it's not like, neither of my books are big, like crime events. So even if the suspense is a lot quieter and just sort of more slowly churning like a slow burn thriller I guess um like just yeah cha- ending the chapter on a note of like oh um I think really helps with keeping the the suspense going yeah I think that that's great advice and are there um as you've been sort of crafting um, or working on your craft are there books or authors that have had maybe a big influence on you or maybe any favorite writing books that you'd recommend well i do listen to a lot of writing podcasts um which are super helpful yours being one of them um carter wilson's making it up is another and then danielle gerard's podcast killer women um it's just i love hearing authors talk you know informally about their experiences and strategies. Um, so those have been really helpful. And then um, I did read one craft book called Story Genius. Um, oh, yes, I have that Kron. one. Oh, okay, yeah, that that's is great. A popular one. I, I think I heard of it on, you know, on one of these podcasts, but um, there were definitely really helpful elements in it. I, I think um, the, the key part of it was that the story is more about the character's 
journey and like they're sort of they start out in one place personally and then have to get to a, a different place of understanding so it was just emphasizing character over plot um which was definitely something that i hadn't considered all that much prior to reading this book because i i was always so focused on like story elements and here's the twist and here's the ending um so yeah now it's definitely helpful to she has a whole method with note cards and things that I haven't really done, but like I, I definitely do find myself more keeping in mind like the character's sort of personal heroic arc. Um, yeah, you're reminding me I need to go, I need to go back to that one. And I feel like that one marries very well wow. with Save the Cat because Save the Cat feels very, like as you're saying, the story elements and sort of the structure and the plot and then story genius feels more about the character themselves. So yeah, I need to... I, I'm looking at them on my shelf right now. I need to I need to go back and kind of flip through again. I feel like they're very handy to have. Well, as you were trying to kind of get into your characters' heads, is there one that you maybe had the most trouble connecting with? Mm, that's such an that's such a good question. Um, I I definitely feel like it's a little harder for me to write male characters. Like there there are things about every female character probably that I sympathize with and I um, relate to. But sometimes when I'm writing um, like a husband character, I, I feel like I have the tendency to make him almost car- caricature-esque, um, which is something that I think I need to work on. So um, yeah, pr- but I, I think with most of the um, female characters, in the book, um, including the the two teenage characters. Um, like, I think they were sort of a combination of um, that I've spent so much time with teenagers over the past 10 what? years, but but also can vividly remember my own, some of my own teenage angst. Um, so yeah, there's, there's usually something in each female character that um, like I can, I can relate relate with even even the ones that you know are kind of um unlikable i guess that's interesting that 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 your role teaching kind of does give you that insight for the teenagers because i remember thinking as i was reading oh she gets this dynamic so right and i know i had read in your bio that your kids are um much younger so i was sort of wondering where that was coming from but now now it makes sense and it makes me wonder too are there other things from your role as an English teacher that really inform your writing? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think pl- it's interesting how the, like, the processes of planning a unit and planning a novel do overlap somewhat because you're kind of writing towards an end. And with teaching, like you're always thinking of the end of the unit as you're planning each lesson, like each thing kind of builds on itself. Um, And like, there may be kind of a a lesson where you practice something in a really small way, but then like the the project is going to practice in a big way. So yeah, I feel like this, um, this model of things sort of escalating and also just like leading towards a, a big understanding and having that that reveal in mind as you're planning or and writing um yeah they they do feel sort of similar uh in a way that i probably didn't expect but um and also just this kind of you know i i love like obsessive organizing and um like thinking really i mean you know in teaching english like you're really unpacking elements of author's craft and diving into um, language and stuff. So all of that is really useful with writing as well. 
Yeah, I could see just sort of you're immersed in it all the time. And, you know, I know that teaching is all consuming, especially I'm sure you're reading papers constantly and everything. Are you sort of just squeezing in the writing where you can? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, when I started writing um, my first book, I was not teaching. I had like taken a couple years off um, after my second daughter was born. And so I would just write, you know, during her nap time or um, on the weekend or whatever. So like for me, it's always just sort of been, you know, writing for maybe an hour a day or um, two hours or so. So I feel like that's, um, for me, I feel like it it forces me to be really efficient and um, just like try to bang out a lot of words in that one or two hours. Uh, Whereas if I were doing it the whole day, I would probably just end up procrastinating or being too much of a perfectionist about what I was writing. Um, so I'm, I just do the same thing now. Yeah. I try to write like while I'm eating lunch and then, um, sometimes like right after school for like 45 minutes or so. Sometimes I try to write at night, but then I'm like, Oh, but the bachelor's on. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I have no brain capacity. I feel like at night it just reading. Okay. But anything that takes, you know, actual actually like creating anything does not happen at night yeah I'm glad Um, it's not just me I really feel like a switch flips off in my brain at 8 p.m and it's like a hundred percent there's no one home anymore (laughs) well like 10 a.m me thinks that I will feel fine at eight o'clock at night and eight o'clock at at night me thinks that that person was crazy so um yeah (laughs) well I know you mentioned your sister being a reader for you. Do you have, um, I guess I'm just curious what role a writing community has played for you. Have you had other trusted readers or taken writing classes or had a writing group or anything like that? I haven't had a writing group. Um, yeah, honestly. And I, I would like to start that more as, you know, as I, as I write more, but, uh, these, these first couple books, I have sort of kept them rather close as I have been working on them. Um, but, like I said, of course, I, I get, I feel like I get so much, you know, inspiration and knowledge just from like authors that I'm connected with on Instagram or um, listening to podcasts. Um, but yeah, no, so it's really just my sister and um, my husband reads my work pretty early on as well. But um, he is just not, he's not a reader. So he is like, not a good um he he likes them too much, if that makes sense. Like he read, he'll read a draft and be like, "Oh my gosh, that was amazing! Never saw the twist coming. Best book ever." And I'm like, "Well, <laughs> thank you, but you've also only read like four books, so." Well, sometimes you need that encouragement. It's like having your mom read or something. It's like you just sometimes you just want that, you know, boost of <laughs> boost of encouragement. That's nice. Yeah, though. totally. But he's probably not the most like realistic um, critical reader. Well, it's interesting you say about kind of being able to connect with different authors and everything. And, you know, I can't I can't really imagine because I, I sort of feel the same way. I, I think I get so much inspiration from authors I connect with through the podcast or just online or it's so easy now to even, you know, watch a virtual author event or, you know, from the comfort of home. I can't really imagine not having that. So It would be interesting, you know, to be writing 20 or 30 years ago and have things be maybe a little bit more opaque. Like, like, I feel like there's so many writers kind of pulling back the curtain on their process. And I think unless unless you were maybe going to tons of bookstore events and lived somewhere where you could do that, I, I can't imagine 
having that same kind of access, you know, pre the times we're in now. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's like, it is amazing how, um, you know, for all its sort of detriment, social media it is super helpful in lifting the veil on um, like the inner workings of the publishing industry and um, just the process of, of writing. And it's also just such a warm community. I feel like it's their authors just like cheer for each other so loudly yes. on all these platforms. Um, and it's, it's really nice. Yeah, it is a really positive community. Uh, I, I feel like it's the only thing I really like social media for is just seeing authors share their books and other people's books and writing advice. And, you know, it's definitely a very happy place on the internet, I feel like. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, I'm curious, are you able to say anything about what you're working on next? Or are you still very much in book promotion mode? No, yeah, I can totally, totally talk about it. Um, I, um, yeah, last year, I did write a a draft of another book um, in in a similar vein. Um, The premise is this woman like meets a a much younger mom um, at the playground and starts to develop suspicion that the mom may be in some kind of like abusive, coercive relationship. There are just a lot of red flags, like she's not allowed to have a phone. Um, She has to be home by a certain time. Um, And so anyway, she just sort of goes down this this rabbit hole trying to find out what's going on with this woman, but the answers lead her somewhere very unexpected. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely in the same vein of kind of like motherhood centric um, suspense. And um, I'm still, you know, working on it, um, trying to uh, get it to a like presentable um, stage. So that sounds great though. Are you, and I'm trying to think of, when when your first book came out, are you trying for like a book every year or two? Do you have a deadline you have to hit right now or? No, I'm not. I'm not like in contract right now. So um, like the book that I just described will be, um, you know, submitted to my um, current publisher. And then if, if they don't want it, then um, maybe others. But um, no, so I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a deadline. Does that does that make it harder or are you liking that freedom that you don't, you know, have a, Oh my gosh, I have X number of days left. I'm definitely like, I, I definitely prefer a deadline. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. it, 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 for me, it's just easier like having that kind of like, okay, like you have to do something by this day, but sometimes I'll just try to impose my own deadlines on myself. Like, okay, you have to, you know, get through this cycle of editing by the state, and there's really no reason for that. But, um, but I mean, you know, to your point, like, you do kind of want to be mindful of like, thinking about um, the frequency of books, you know, being published, and um, like, how often you would want that to be in an ideal world and stuff. But I'm, I'm just feel like, you know, I'm happy to be writing and feel lucky to have had anything published. And I'm very hopeful that that will happen again. But um, I don't, I don't definitely don't have like a, a schedule in mind per se. Well, as you're continuing to write, um, I'm curious about also, you know, fitting in a reading life. Are, are you still reading a lot of books for fun, squeezing that in? And do you have any books you want to recommend to listeners? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
So I mostly listen to audiobooks now. Are you do you do Oh, I love audiobooks. Yes. They're life-saving. Like it it really I feel like I'm able to read so much more than I otherwise would um because of audiobooks. So yeah, I'm always listening to something like as I walk to and from work, if I go for a run, um you know, if I'm just like folding laundry or whatever. Yeah. Um yeah. So um two books actually that just came out yesterday that I'll share that I plan to read this month. One of them is a debut called Love Me, like Love Comma Me. Um I don't usually read romantic comedies, but it just sounds like such a great premise um that I'm super excited to read. I think the, the premise is that this um woman who is like she you know she's married with kids working, kind of like struggling with various challenges that come up in that phase of life. Um, I guess she used to date someone who is now famous and letters that they wrote to each other come out in TMZ or a tabloid or something. So then Ooh. she kind of gets all this spotlight <laughs> and, and the like, re, you know, reconnects with this person as a result of that, um, like scandalous gossip. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if that's I a fun premise. If the author listens to me describe it, she'll probably be like, uh, that's not it at all. But, um, <laughs> well, it piques anyway. my interest. So, <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. I'm planning to read that. And then, um, Stacey Willingham, um, who wrote a flicker in the dark. Um, she has a new thriller that just came out yesterday as well called only if you're lucky, um, which sounds really good. Oh, nice. Well, I will definitely link to those and, I just hope that listeners go out and pick up anything for a friend. I also would imagine this one would be a great audio listen. Is there an audiobook? Yes, there is. And yes, the narrator is awesome. Um, yeah, it, it, it is a really good audio listen. Um, and it's short too. I mean, um, it's, yeah, the, the book is only like 250 pages. So the I know sometimes if people have a monthly goal. <laughs> so yeah. I'll just, I'll just plug that. It's a, it's a short one. <laughs> well, it was making me think too. I think this time of year, you know, we're talking in January, people have like new year's resolutions and things. And I think maybe binge watching less and binge reading more might be one of them. And I think anything for a friend would be perfect for that because it's just going to suck you in. And especially the audiobook, I feel like you would just be like going back to it all the time to just listen to one more chapter. So I definitely think that listeners should go pick it up. And Kathleen, just thank you for sharing more about your process and your writing journey. And it's been so fun getting to chat with you again. Oh, thank you so much, Laura. Yeah, it's been so nice chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me on your awesome podcast. Um, I really appreciate it. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for being here. Links to all of the books mentioned on this week's episode, you can visit abookishhome.com. If you are enjoying the show, I hope you take a minute to subscribe and also rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to share it on social media to help other people find the show and this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and happy reading.